What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Read the scriptures. Let's stand as we hear the reading, okay? From Micah 6.8 He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And of 2 Corinthians 12.10 For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the scripture you've given us, the light to our path, and the map for our life. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings to us. We thank you for answered prayer this past week. Lord, we pray that you'd be with all of our church family and all of our friends. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Russ Carter. Thank you very much for leaving me the print. <clears throat> we have uh, had a good week. It's been fun in a lot of ways, been hard in a lot of ways. Depends on who you are and where you've been, what's going on. But it's nice to see you guys here this morning. <clears throat> Thank you for your service to the Lord. Thank you for your witness for the Lord and for being part of our fellowship. The music we play is all for the purpose to honor God, to bring praise to Him. And we sing these songs from the heart, and I know you do too whenever you're singing with us. It's really a beautiful thing, so thank you for doing that. And thanks for those of you who participate by various ways and means. Thanks for your financial support. Thank you for all that you do. You know, we have a great ministry here. It's a wonderful thing. And touched the lives of so many people over the course of the last 12 years. And I was thinking, you know, 12 years, 12 donuts in a dozen. <laughs> you know, 12 uh, disciples, right? 12, uh, what else? 12 months in a year. 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, something else is 12. I can't think of what. But that's a good... Twelve eggs in a dozen, that's right. That's a good one. So 12 years of ministry, that's a nice whole number, and it's a beautiful thing. I was looking at some of these pictures out in the hall. You know, people say, well, who are all these people? And it's just interesting to look back over the course of time that the population of our ministry has, has been a vacillating, a changing population. It's like seasons of ministry to people you know they come they go they come they go they come they go and we said from the beginning it would be kind of like a car wash uh you know where the cars come in they get a little bit of a cleanup an oil job you know 
oil filter or something like that. And oh no, Mal, well, something happened and he's not happy. I think he ran out of breakfast items. <laughs> I was drinking his milk earlier and drinking his orange juice and causing him all kinds of grief, so it's finally set in. But anyway, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. All the people that we've ministered to, I can go back with those, uh, those uh, like the pictures and the videos and the things that we've done from the past. It's really quite an amazing story, the story of friends and family. It's been a wonderful thing. And so I'm just thankful for these many years of ministry. It's been beautiful. Today we're going to talk about the confusing power of kindness. And the scriptures are very uh, amazing when, the, when you think about this subject. This subject came to me this week uh, in a profound kind of way, in a very deeply felt kind of way. And I want to share a little bit of that with you in a few minutes. And then also I want to reflect on these verses and see if we can unpackage something that might help us to live our lives a little more happily, be a little bit more at peace, have a little more better relationships with other people, and feel better about ourselves at the same time. So that would all be good. Be happier, feel better about yourself, have inner peace, and have better relationships. That would be the goal that we would have those are the goals we would have for ourselves this week as we ask the Lord to help us to be our best. Something we can be proud of, something we can feel good about, something we can like about ourselves. So let's let's take a look. <clears throat> if you look at Micah chapter six, verse eight, that's that first verse. He has shown you, O oh human. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty good right there oh human <laughs> just hold that thought I'm just a human <laughs> I'm an ordinary man just like the song we just sang I'm no knight in shining armor you know I'm just I'm just me God has shown you oh human what is good well what is this good that God has shown and what it is that the Lord ask of us or requires of us and here they are to do justice to love kindness and to be humble so what is justice well justice is simply doing the right thing that's what it is do the right thing now there is an inherent sense of right and wrong in all of us it's interesting to me that sometimes the people who are the meanest, the most crooked, the most criminal, the most dishonest are the people who will exploit your own sense of decency and tell you that you should be ashamed of yourself for the way you have been even though I have been that way myself. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's, as Jesus said, you can see the fault in your brother, but you can't see your own fault. And that is just a very common condition of the, of the human mind and of human interaction for that matter. And oftentimes you will hear people who will criticize their fellow human beings at the same time they are 
probably even more guilty of what it is they're critical of themselves than the person they're criticizing. Does that ring a bell at all? Does that make any sense at all? Well, I think it's so obvious and it's so common that you have to almost say, yeah, that's true. Why else would Jesus say you can see the speck in your brother's eye and you can say to him, you know, you shouldn't be that way. You have violated your own codes of decency and I appeal to everyone to look at what a terrible person this person is. Doesn't that just sound so familiar? What a terrible, terrible person this is. Don't you all agree? Now don't look at me. We're looking at him. Okay? Don't pay any attention to what I do. You just judge him based on this in what I call an inherent sense within every person of decency, of right and wrong. Now the problem that happens in the world is when people violate the sense of decency. When you violate what is decent and what is right and what is just and what is true and good, you are conscious of the fact that you're doing that. And you don't want other people to know that you're doing that. So you will put forth an image of doing everything the right way. You're a good person, you always care, you always look out for other people. You don't want anyone judging you, so even though you know you're violating what is right and true and good, you're doing it covertly. And because you're doing it covertly, then you can pretend that you are a good person, that you would never do a thing like that. And I always worry about the men when they're brought into the county jail who say, I would never beat my wife. Ooh, that's not a good sign. Or a man who ever says to a woman, honey, I just want you to know I will never hit you in the face. I just want you to know I'll never punch you. Not, I'd never do anything like that. Uh-oh, red flags, big alarm right there. Well, what they're thinking about, that I would never do a thing like that. It's kind of like in that story, Old Yeller, that Cynthia used to watch every night after she'd get af off of school every evening. She'd come home, we'd stop by Tasty Freeze, get an ice cream cone, go home, turn on the TV, and watch Old Yeller. <laughs> This is what she did all through her first grade year. It was perfect. I liked the ice cream. I liked her watching Old Yeller. Mama wasn't home yet, so we just all had a good time. And it came to that point in Old Yeller when that little girl came up and said, I know what dog it was what sucked them eggs. It was, it was Yeller. But I ain't never, never going to tell. I ain't never, never going to tell. So the guy, the little boy, knew I'm going to have to pay her off some way. Because even though she's telling me I ain't never, never going to tell, that's a pretty good sign she's going to tell. And that's the way it is with people. Whatever it is, you hear people complaining about the most and most critical of their fellow human beings, that is almost, to a, that is almost always the case is almost always that they're most guilty of it themselves. And violating a code of decency, a sense of what is right 
and wrong. You can get away with it. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, they did this and they did this and they did this and yet they got away with it. They got away with it. Well, did they really? The scriptures say that is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. What is this code of decency? What is this sense of morality, this sense of right and wrong that people inherently have and that you can really get a lot of traction with the wider community if you find fault with a brother. You can find fault with him and you can get a big crowd of people to agree with you about the faults you see in that person. Because everybody has this sense of right and wrong and this sense of decency and the crowds come out and they say, yeah, that's true. Oh, it's what a terrible thing. Oh my gosh. Well, what is that appeal? It's an appeal to the decency in people being manipulated by someone who is violating those codes of decency themselves. And it's very common in human relationships to do this, to be critical of your brother and not see the glaring flaws in your own eye. A little speck over there, this huge log in your own eye. So God has something to do with this. As I said, it is appointed unto men once to die and that includes the women too, of course. All people will die. Human, hey human. This is a reminder here to all of you humans. What does God expect? And what does God demand? Well, he asks and demands and, and expects us to live justly. And justly means to conform to that inner sense of right and wrong that he has given us instinctively we know when we're doing something bad. And he says to us, don't hide it, don't cover it up, don't pretend it isn't true. Be honest. And the hardest person in the world to be honest with is yourself. Because we are selfish by nature. So I want to play this game where I can exploit other people, take advantage of other people. I want to be able to gain for my own benefit and enrichment by being deceptive and dishonest with other people in order that I may benefit and I will violate my code of decency. I will violate my code of decency because it's worth it to me to violate that inner sense of right and wrong in order to gain what I want. The Bible is full of stories like this. The man who was, who loaned someone some money and he, he didn't get the money back and so he demanded that the guy pay him back, which was rightful, rightfully a correct demand. It was a just demand. But in turn, he himself had owed a humongous debt to another person and he has not paid that person. So the person who, to whom the, the small debt was owed was himself a great debtor. Far beyond anything that this small amount amounted to. Jesus tells the story that this man in the middle of this 
demanded that the small amount of debt be paid. And when the man who owed him that small amount said, I, I'm sorry, I, just, I haven't got it, I can't, I can't pay you, this man demanded payment. One day, word came to him, the most wonderful news he had ever heard, that that humongous debt that he owed had been forgiven. And he did not pay that huge debt. And you would think, what would he do in turn? What would you expect a good person to do? If you owed a big debt and you were forgiven for it, and somebody owed you $10, would you make a big deal out of that $10? You just got forgiven for a million. No. You would, you would say, hey, just forget it. It's okay. I've been forgiven. I've become forgiving. And Christian people are this way. The forgiven are the forgiving. How are you able to forgive someone for what they did to you? Because of all that I've been forgiven for. I've been forgiven. Jesus says, forgive us this day, or give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us of our sins. They're so multitudinous that anything someone else has done against us is not worth holding on to. It's a small matter in comparison to the grace and the mercy you've received. Do you see that? It'd be a whole lot better if the society we lived in lived actually lived by these, this inner sense of decency, this sense of right and wrong. And if we could actually believe people when they say, I'll tell you the truth, I mean it when I say, please believe me, this is what I intend to do, I intend to do the right thing. Wouldn't that be a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful society? Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? Oh, human, this is what God expects. He expects you to live by that code of decency that he put within your heart. And to be kind, not only to be kind, but to love kindness, to treasure it, to value it, to hold on to it. Kindness is a peculiar, peculiar thing. It's very confusing to people when you're kind. It's confusing and it is powerful. That's why I call this talk the power, the confusing power of kindness. Because people are confused when you are kind to them, they often think you're weak. It assumes that, well, they're only being nice because they don't have any choice. <laughs> they gotta be nice. So you're being nice and you feel all weak and beat down because you're being nice. There's an amazing power behind your kindness if it comes to you from your creator, which it does. Kindness is confusing to people because it seems that if I'm gruff and unjust to you and you respond in kindness then that means I am strong and you are weak and there is just this estimate that in human relationships and in interactions between people whoever's the strong one the demanding one the tough one the one who's 
curt and brash and insensitive and uncaring, that that's the strong one, and that those who are seeking to be nice and be polite and kind and respectful are the weak ones. That's the way it's perceived. Why don't you just forgive them? I'm not going to forgive those people for what they did to me. No, I'm going to be tough like they are. I'm going to be hard-nosed. Isn't that true? So how, do I, how is it that I say to you today that power of kindness is confusing? I think he's waiting on Jesus to come back or maybe grandma. Maybe grandma. <laughs> oh, mama, please. Anyway, how is it possible? Oh, she feels, he feels so much better. Uh, to love kindness and to be humble, you would think, okay, okay. I, I just, I got to give up. I got to just give in. I always am, I'll always take the position that, well, I was wrong. And you were right. And you're, you have the power. And whatever you say, okay, we'll just do it your way. And however you feel, more important than how I feel. I just need to, I just need to be nice. I just need to be kind. And you get this idea, the perception, that being kind is being weak. Nothing could be farther from the truth. It takes no strength at all to scream and yell and intimidate and throw things and be angry and to make insults. It requires nothing. No character required. No real strength required. It's like a spoiled child throwing a tantrum because they didn't get their way. When you think about the strongest person you know, who do you think of? Isn't it the kindest person you know? The strongest people I've ever known are the people who, they were just good people. Everybody just admired them, they respected them, they loved them, and they had great influence in the world. Great influence in their family, great influence in their community. It was the kindness and the sense that these are decent people. They do the right thing. They tell you the truth. They're not running a scam on you. They're not tricking you. No, they're not lying to your face and talking behind your back. These are good people. And these are the ones that have the great influence in, in the world. So that's the reason that kindness and truthfulness and honesty and all of that ultimately wins the day because the overall society, the general population, has this inherent sense of decency and right and wrong. And you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool... That's correct, all of the people all the time. And day comes when people realize who the really strong people are. Now, I say that you couldn't be more wrong because of this. The person that I think of when I think of the strongest person I've ever known of is actually God, is actually Jesus Christ, who was ultimately 
the kindest, most gracious, most wonderful person who ever has lived in this world. And the power of his influence is abundantly clear throughout the world to this very day. We are here today in this little metal building on the south side of Bloomington because of his kindness, because of his grace and his mercy and goodness to people. Oh, they thought he was weak, and they beat him to death, and they crucified him and tortured him to death. And you would have thought, as you watched all that, this guy's nobody. He's a nobody. He's a nothing. He's non-factor. He'll go down and history is never having been remembered, but he was remembered because he said to those who were murdering him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And this is the way it is today. The people who are angriest and screaming and plotting and planning and seeking to betray and trick other people. Ultimately, history will prove and history will show that they were not strong at all, that they were very weak. So the, the confusion is that if you're nice, people think you're weak. But it isn't that way. Look at this verse. It says, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weakness. <laughs> what? I'm content with weakness. I'm content with insults, with hardship, and I'm content with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that confusing? How can that be? And how about this one? A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer. In the face of someone who's being unfair to you, who's betraying you, who's basically not even thinking about how you would feel in this situation. And yet, maybe even a screaming voice in an exaggerated way. The answer you give is gentle and a harsh word stirs up anger if someone gets in your face and screams at you if you turn around and scream right back at them it only just makes matters worse it's because two weak people are trying to be strong but they don't know how if you want to be strong you got to be calm and when someone attacks you, instead of responding in kind, you feel the pain. You know the attack is real. You understand the consequences and the results of what it is they are doing, the actions they're taking, the words they're saying. You understand that. But your choice is to be, to be kind to them.
And you would be amazed at how powerful that is. Now you say, well, I've been, I tried to be nice for a long time and it doesn't seem to make any difference and I'm just getting my head beat in. Okay. There are some people who have hardened their hearts. Hardened their hearts. They will not listen to that inner conscience. They will not listen to that inherent sense of right and wrong. They will not listen to it. They've made up their mind they're going to be hard-hearted. And they have made up their mind to live the rest of their life like this, and maybe there is no hope for that person. It doesn't mean that you are weak. It just means they are weaker. So here it is. Confusing power of kindness. How can it be? Now, I'll tell you a little story. I promised you I'd tell you a story. And this is not to reflect on anyone in a negative way or in a critical kind of way. But it's just an example of some little thing that happened that demonstrates to me the power of kindness and, a pow and the sense of decency that resides within every person, whether you know them or not. I have been looking for some time for another airplane to buy. And I came across one I thought it was just just perfect. And um, so I called the guy. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, it's already got a bid on. It's already been sold. Oh. So I told Susan, well, that plane that I was thinking about, it's already been bought. Okay, so uh, well, she said, comforting me, there will be another one. And so <laughs> I hate it when she says that. <laughs> I just hate that. Stop saying that. There'll never be another one as good as this one. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I know it. Anyway, <laughs> so there was another one, <laughs> as she said. And so I called, and they said, ah, sorry, it wasn't sold. <laughs> well, why are they listing these things for sale if they're not really for sale? What's going on? Third time. And, the, and I told her, I said, that plane I was looking at, sold it out from under me again. <laughs> I started to feel like I had like an inferiority complex or something, you know, I was like, oh man, everybody, they'll sell places to other people, they won't sell one to me. <laughs> it's a strange feeling, but I'm telling you the truth. It's like you start to wonder, what is wrong with me? Am I the only person who's weird in this room? I don't know. So I thought, finally, I caught a hold of this guy because I figured out, hey, as soon as those things come on, you can get an email alert. So I got an email alert. <gasps> Something's been listed. I'm going to go look. And I called right away. I was the first caller. Hey. I was so happy, so happy. And I said, I need to bring a mechanic down with me and take a look at this thing. So, you know, to see if it's okay and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. No problem. So... Uh, he said, you know, I can, I can hang on to it for a couple of days or whatever till you guys get down here. I said, fine, that's great. So Saturday was the first time, that was yesterday, that my mechanic could go because of his schedule. And uh, so I had an agreement with this gentleman on Thursday evening that Saturday afternoon we would look at this and make a decision. He goes, yeah, that'll be fine. 
That'll be fine. I'll hold on till till then. Friday about noon, he called me and he says, "Well, Larry," he said, uh, "I I hate to tell you, but uh, uh, some other fellows called me and they'd like to take this plane and you know they're close by here and there are people that I know and and they said, "Why in the world do you put that up for sale? We we'd love to buy that plane." So he said, "I so saw. I'm sorry. I know you feel bad, but he said I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and have these other fellows take." take the plane now I had an opportunity right there to practice what I preach I could have said to him well no wait a minute you gave me your word that you would let me look at this plane on Saturday and that my mechanic could come and look it over and that we had a, had a deal but now you're changing I could have harped on him I could have tried to make him feel bad you know I could have done all that But I thought, you know what, if that's really what he wants to do, maybe this really isn't the thing to do. So I said, I understand. I have been where you are. I understand. And I said, okay. So he hung up the phone. That was a brief conversation. And I thought, that's terrible. Why am I so weak? Why am I such a wuss? Why don't I stand up for myself? Why don't I say, hey, wait a minute, pal. We had a deal. You know, why wasn't I in his face more? And I went back to my little office, and I sat back there, and then all of a sudden I just had this horrible, overwhelming sense of injustice and rage, and I just went, rah! <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't imitate it. It was like, oh, I was just mad. I was so mad because it wasn't fair and I knew it wasn't fair and I knew it wasn't right because somebody gave me a promise and they broke their promise and it was an important promise for me and I took him at his word so I thought I gotta do something to be plain spoken without being unkind so I love texting you know you can <laughs> send messages you don't have to talk to him so I just sent him a message I said I was disappointed. And I know you feel bad too. I wish you well in all things. In about an hour, he called me. He says, Larry, I feel bad. I talked to my wife, and she told me I did wrong. She told me I should have honored my promise to you, and I am so sorry. Now, <clears throat> thank God for his wife, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure it's he has a conscience. I think she has a conscience. But, but the point of it is, is if I, had, if I had just let that go, then I would have been resentful because I wouldn't have been plain spoken. Not in a mean way, but you can be plain spoken and still get your message across without being weak. And I could, uh, I could honestly feel good about that and know that my last word to him was, I wish you well in all things. And that covers a lot. That means all of life. This isn't just about an airplane or a contract or a deal or an agreement about some minor little thing like that, a piece of machinery. No in all of your life, in all of your relationships, in your family, in your wife, 
in your marriage, in your, in your children's lives, in your future, in your occupation, in all that ever comes your way, in all things I wish you well. You see how powerful that is? And how confusing that must have been when he received those words. And I didn't do it to make him feel bad. Or did I? <laughs> well, I have good biblical support for this because the scripture says, return good for evil and so doing you will pour coals of fire upon their head. <laughs> That's what it actually says. It says that. So what that means is it's actually allow the conscience to work a little bit. You know, like just leave it in the hands of the Lord. I don't know. It's better to be nice than it is to be mean. That's bottom line. And if you're really frustrated with situations and relationships that you're having right now, I would just say to you, think about this. Do the right thing. Be kind, stay humble, don't think of yourself as weak, think of yourself as strong in doing this. Understand that you'll have calamities and weakness and hardship and persecution, but when those things come, it's an opportunity to demonstrate your strength because those very things actually make you a stronger person, believe it or not. And I could go on and on about this, but Many examples come to mind. Maybe some come to your mind. And remember that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Because the kindest people are the strongest people. And the strongest people are the kindest people. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God for it. Amen. Now, before we get started, did you get the airplane or not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, finish your story. Yeah. Uh, this remains to be seen. Actually, I uh, I put a down payment on it. Yeah. Oh, well, good. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
for our nation <clears throat> these are difficult and important times for the world so we need a Christian Christian uh, influence in this world it's the world needs the Lord I just looked up today and realized how far Thank you. 
All my deeds and my good name are just dirty rags of tear and strain to cover all my guilty stains that you already washed away. Cause all you've ever wanted, all you've ever wanted, all you've ever wanted was my heart. Freedom's arms are open, my chains have all been broken. Relentless love has called me from the start All you wanted was my heart I was chasing healing when I've been made well I was fighting battles when you conquered hell Living free from a prison cell Lord, I lay it down today Stop living off of how I feel and start standing on your truth revealed. Jesus is my strength and shield and he will never fail me. All you've ever wanted, all you've ever wanted, all you've ever wanted was my heart. Freedom's arms are open, the chains have all been broken. Love has called me from the start. All you wanted was my heart. All you wanted was my heart. Oh, 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 oh. oh more chains have been set free. Oh, 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 oh. No more fighting battles you won for me. Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.